morning, City Hope. How are y'all doing? Oh, come on. Who's glad to be in God's house today? Hey, let's take a moment and just give Jesus all the praise. Come on, let's give him a shout of praise this morning. We love you, Jesus. We love you, God. We praise you. Hey, I just want to remind you, he is the reason that we're here today. It's all about Jesus today. And I just want to look back into the cameras back there and say welcome to our online family, everyone who's watching with us this morning, uh, maybe in a lot of different locations, whether you're at home or in another state or maybe even another nation, we welcome you. And we just want to say thank you so much for, for joining in. You're our family. Come on, church. Help me welcome everybody online. Give a big shout out to you. We love you guys. Well, um, I'm excited to be with you all today, to be able to spend some time with you all um, in, in, in this message today. And um, I, I just want to start out, and if I haven't had the privilege of meeting you, my name is Caleb, and I get the honor of serving as a ministry and youth pastor here at City Hope. And it's just my honor and privilege to be a part of this amazing team here at City Hope and get to serve with such an amazing church. You guys are such an amazing church. And really quick, before we get into it too far, I just want to kind of point the way, clear the path. Um, I know we shared some things with you in City Hope News, but um, as, as the youth pastor, I just kind of wanted to, um, to, to invite all of our middle school and high school students to come hang out with us this week at Motion Night. Our doors open at 6.30, and as they said in the video, we call it Motion Night because we say we want to help you put your faith in motion. And so this is a, a, a youth service, you could say, for our middle and high school students. And we have a lot of fun, and we would love for you to, to come and spend some time with us. And then also coming up, Last year, we, we, went to what, uh, we went to Motion Conference, and that's for all of our middle and high school students as well. I don't know if anyone is in the house today who went on that trip. I don't know y'all here. Some people are here, but um, not enough to, to shout, right? Just a couple. So um, this is a lot of fun, super good time with our students. And so registration is open for that on our Church Center app. You can go under the sign-ups and, and get more information about that if your kids may be interested in Motion Conference. So although I'm with you this week, Pastor Ben's going to be back in action next week, and he's going to start a new series with, with us entitled The Blessed Life, okay? So I don't know about you, but I'd love to learn how to live a blessed life, right? I, I want to have a blessed life. And so if you want to learn about how to have a blessed life, come back next week and... Uh, and hear Pastor Ben start that off. And so I, I just want to say today, uh, welcome to church. So good to be with all of you. And if you're a guest today, if you're not a, a regular coming and you don't, you don't like it and you don't like my message, just come back next week because Pastor Ben is, he, he's a lot funnier than me and he's a much better communicator. So just come back next week and I promise you'll like it, okay? So just show me a little grace today. Uh, but I, I, I'm teasing. I, I'm excited to be with you all today and I'm going to be bringing the final installment to the series that we've been in called Family Values. And uh, this has been such a great message. And, and what we mean by family values is that as a church, although we're, we're a church of a lot of people, we are one family, okay? Uh, in fact, our website, if you ever go into our website, is City Hope Family. That is our, our legal name because we, as the body of Christ, we want to be a family. And so we've been talking about the values that our church family has and what, what's important to us. And so um, I'm going to be talking about the last one of those today, but just to remind you, a value, what we're saying a value is, is it's a principle or standard of behavior that guides my life, okay? So we've talked about several different values. We've talked about forgiveness. We've talked about family. Pastor Tom came all the way from Chattanooga to talk to us um, about marriage, 
Pastor Ben talked about parenting on purpose last week. It's been so good. If you missed out on those messages, though, I would encourage you um, to go online and and catch those messages that maybe you missed because they're so good, a lot of good content in those. Um, But today, I'm going to be bringing the last value to you, and that value is that we take on a generational mentality. And so we're going to get into what that's all about. In your worship guide, by the way, we have notes provided for you. So if you want to follow along and fill in the blank as you go, you can totally do that. But today, our value is that we take on a generational mentality. And this is something that is very important for all of us to do, no matter what age we may be, uh, whether you're the oldest in the room or the youngest, it's important that we do this, and I just want to start out in Psalm chapter 33, and the Bible tells us that the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. I want y'all to say all generations with me. Awesome. All generations, okay? So that tells us that God's plans and God's purposes, that they continue through all generations, no matter what our world looks like. No matter what kind of turmoil or chaos our lives may be in, no matter what's going on around us, God's purposes and his plans are going to continue through all generations. Amen? That's good. That's a promise that we have in God's word. Now, I want you to know one thing that we know about the character of God, about who he is, is that God is a, he's a multi-generational God, okay? And he has a multi-generational plan. You might say, what does that mean, Caleb? What that means is that God's plans and his purposes are so big and so powerful that he can't squeeze them all into one lifetime. So he continues his plans and his purposes from generation to generation. That's why it says it continues through all generations, is that God establishes his plans in his kingdom through every generation even those generations that do not exist yet. His plan is still going to continue through them as well. Now, we see this in the Bible in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 15, and God is telling Moses to tell the Israelites um, who sent him, and he said, tell them that the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob sent you. And so God identifies as he's introducing, as he's saying, Tell them who I am. Tell them that I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, we know that, that, that in the Bible, what we see is that God made a covenant with Abraham that he would make him into a great nation. And so, but God didn't, Abraham didn't see the nation of Israel come to completion, even though God gave him the promise, because it was such a big work that it couldn't all fit into Abraham's life. And so God's had a multi-generational plan to create the nation of Israel, and he did it through Abraham, through Abraham's son Isaac, and through Isaac's son Jacob. And although Abraham never saw the promise, God still fulfilled it through his family line from generation to generation. Does that make sense? Are y'all following with me today? So God is a multi-generational God with a multi-generational plan. He works through multiple generations. And just like God established the nation of Israel through generations, he's still working his plan today from generation to generation. He has a plan today, and we're going to talk about that here in a moment, but he's building his kingdom through generations. Now, a lot of times, I don't know about you, but when I think of generations, I think of about a set of about three generations, okay? I think of the generation that came before me, that would be my parents. I think of the generation that's beside me, so that would be my own generation, 
and that of my siblings and my friends. And then I think of the generation beneath me. So that would be uh, my kids, who, by the way, I don't have yet, okay? So <laughs> only been married almost two years now, so I'm, I'm taking, we're taking our time on that. But, um, so that would be the generation that comes after me. And that's what I think. Now, I don't know if you think that way, but that's, that's the same thing that we see here is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was three generations that God worked through. And just so that you can kind of see this picture a little better, I got this that I want to show you. So first came Abraham, okay? And so Abraham lived to be 175 years old. That is old, y'all. That, that's old. Then Abraham had a son in his old age. He had a son, and that son's name was Isaac, who lived even longer. He lived to be 180 years old. That, that is just old. And I don't know about, I want to live to be an old man, but I don't want to live to be that old, I don't think, okay? I don't know about you, but I, I just don't really want any part of that. And then Isaac's son, he had a son, and I don't know what happened to Isaac don't know, or, or Jacob. I don't know what he did wrong, but he only lived 147 years, Okay. Maybe he didn't eat his, all his vegetables or too much fast food or something. I don't know. But what we see here, the, the importance of generation to generation here, we see right here, is the connection between them all. There was a very short window in time here where each of them were alive and they were able to pass along what God had done in their lives to the next generation. To tell about, the, about who God was and about what God had done in them. I mean, Abraham had... 170-something years that he gained from that he was able to pass along to his son Isaac. And then Isaac had all these years that he was able to pass along to his son Jacob, and they were able to learn from one another to be able to do the work that God had called for them to do. Now, people who study generations, they say that at this given point in time that there are more generations alive right today than ever have been in history, and that there are five generations currently living. Now, um, I'll show you those. And to start off with, we have the silent generation who were born in 1928 to 1945. Now, this is pretty interesting because after I spoke in the first message, a guy came to me after the service and he said, uh, we actually just had a funeral um, for a guy that was on the fire department and he was born in 1914. And so he said that was actually six generations. So, you know, and so it could actually even be six generations living. Uh, but what we're going to talk about today, there's the silent generation. Then after that, we've got the baby boomers, 46 to 64. Are there any baby boomers in the house today? Oh, okay. Y'all are, yeah, y'all are representing. Then after that, we got Gen X, 1965 to 1980. Where y'all at, Gen X? Man, that was strong. Y'all are strong in here today. Then we got the millennials. Where are my millennials at? Come on. Yeah, all right, 1981 to 96, and the millennials get a bad rap, okay? Everybody hates on the, on the millennials. I am, by the way, a millennial. I just made the cut because I was born in 95, so I just made it, so don't judge me, okay? I promise I'm a, I'm a nice guy. Um, and then lastly, we have Gen Z, who was born in 1997 until, okay? So they're in the nursery right now. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, who, do we got any Gen Zers in the house today? Let me hear you. Okay. Oh, come on, Gen Z. That was weak. Where y'all at? Come on, one more time. Okay, that was a little better. Now, let's give God praise that Gen Z's in the house. That's awesome. Hey, we're so glad that you guys are with us today. And so, but what we see here is five generations deep, and maybe this could give us a, a, a little snapshot as to why our world is so uncomfortable today. 
right? Like if there's more generations alive now than ever before, it's kind of like five families living in a three-bedroom house, right? That's kind of what it's like in our world. And so it, it makes things a little uncomfortable, but although it may be uncomfortable and it may be difficult at times, it's a very special moment, and it's a moment that we should cherish because look at the connection that we have. We have five generations deep that we're able to glean from about what God has done in the lives of those who have come before us. Now, the Bible tells us this in Jeremiah chapter 6. It says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. So when we come to a crossroads and we're trying to decide which way we're going to go, which, by the way, I believe our world is at a crossroads right now in this time. It says, ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, this part where it says, ask for the ancient paths, that makes me think about, ask your grandma how she followed God, your grandpa. Ask your great-grandparents, how did they follow God? Observe what they did with their life and do what they did. Because I don't know if any of you have any praying grandmothers in the house, but I have a grandmother. I call her Graham. And let me tell you something, that woman can pray. I mean, she goes from zero to 100 real quick. Like, we'll all be in the room, and we're joking and laughing and everything, and we're getting ready to go home, and we always come in a circle as a family and hold hands and pray. And it's like she's happy and smiling, and then two seconds, she's got tears coming down her eyes, and she's just a prayer warrior, man. Like, she's just going after the heart of God, and she's just praying. And the relationship, I mean, I look at the values of her generation, and they, they give time to prayer. That's why they know how to pray is because they practice a lot. They know the word. They got it hidden in their heart. A lot of them do. They walk with the Lord. They're faithful. They're dependable. You can count on them. I mean, there's some, there's some, there, there are some dependable Christian people in her generation. And sometimes I look at these generations and, and I think about how, how it makes me kind of sad to think about the day that will come inevitably one day when they may be no more but it makes me want to grab on to those values, those ancient ways, and to bring them into my own life and then pass them on to the next generation. Like, I want to learn how to pray like that. I want to learn how to know scripture like that. I want to learn how to be dependable and faithful like my Graham is. Like, and so I want to learn from the ancient ways, from the paths that were before me on how to follow God. And so this is such a special time in history because we're able to do that. There's more generations alive now than ever before in history. And so we can actually talk to them. We can actually learn that. And speaking of cherishing this moment in time, I want to show you this photo. This is actually a family photo of mine. You're like, who are these people? I'll tell you. This is right here in the middle. Um, she's not really smiling very good. She's kind of, like, mm, she's kind of mean mugging us. But that's, that's my great-grandmother. She's, she's gone on to be in heaven now. But this, this picture was taken several years back. This is my great-grandmother. This is my grand that I was talking about. This is my dad, my brother, and my niece, his daughter. Lydia is her name. And so we took this picture because there's five generations represented in, in our family line right here. Five generations. And we thought, wow, what a special moment. We want to take this picture and we want to have this picture forever and, and we cherish it. And you can imagine how valuable something like this would be to me to see them all together at this, in this picture at this point of time. But I want to tell you, like, this is kind of a snapshot of our world right now, the way our generations are, the generations that are alive and existing. And you can imagine what, you know, my dad could have learned from his mom and what he could have learned from his grandmother and 
all the way down what they could have learned from one another. That's where we are in history. And so I just want to show you this as a snapshot of where we're at in our world right now. But if we look at the lives of the generations that came before my generation, silent, boomer, Gen X, what we see about their lives, these characteristics, is that for their life, they had a slower-paced life. And I don't mean that as an insult. I mean that as a compliment. I think that's very healthy, okay? I think that's a good thing. And, but they had a, a much slower-paced life. They had time to uh, sit around and to be still and to sit in the presence of God and to be still. In their faith, they had shared values, okay? They could talk about their faith with people. There, there was shared values. There was a high level of trust, and there were high moral standards in morality. One thing that, I sit, that I've observed in this generation it, or these generations here about their morality, there may be someone, they don't even claim to be a Christian, but they, they have extremely high morals, like high moral uh, standards, even if they don't claim to know God. Like they, they, that's just how they live their life. And if we skip forward to the millennials and Gen Z, we, what happens is there's kind of the introduction of technology. I remember that really getting big when I was like nine to 10 years old, that, that becoming a big thing. Technology really begins growing and taking over and iPhones and iPads and all these different things coming in. And, and what has happened as a result of the way our world has shifted is for these generations, life is frantic and fast-paced. We don't, I don't know if any of you feel that, but, you know, we just go, 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 go from one thing to the next, one thing to the next, and we never be still. We never be still in God's presence. Faith is at the margins. It's not something that a lot of us feel very comfortable talking about. It's more difficult to discuss because we don't want, to get, we don't want someone to get mad at us because we said the name Jesus, right? Like, we don't want someone to get upset with us. So faith is pushed to the margins. Trust is broken. Like, you used to be able to trust people, but now... Like, we just don't trust people anymore. Like, in our world, trust has been broken. We always feel like someone's out to get us, no, no matter, like, what, what the situation is. Someone's out to get us. And for morality, instead of having high standards of morality, now we have moral tolerance. So basically what's happening is, is we feel like everyone gets to define their own morals, not based off of, of the Bible, but what seems right in their own eyes, they, base their, they, they set their morals, and then we're supposed to just tolerate it. We're supposed to just live around it, and, and, and like, if we don't agree with you or we don't believe what you believe, then we're wrong, and we're attacking you. That's kind of the state of the world today. That's kind of where we're at. Um, in my research, I found this quote. I don't have it on the screen because I didn't think I was going to have time to say it, and I don't, but I'm going to say it anyways because it's important. Uh, but... It, what is, it was a quote, but to give you the gist of what they were saying, there was this lady uh, who, who studies generations, and they're saying that Gen Z uh, is the first generation in history. So well, let me give it to you like this. So every generation throughout time has learned their values from their parents or their grandparents. And what they're saying now is that Gen Z is the first generation in history to not learn their values from their parents or grandparents, but from technology, from TikTok, from Instagram, from things like that. Our kids, they're learning their values from this, unless we're very careful. And to me, that's scary. That's kind of a, a sad thing. And I know I'm kind of doom and gloom right now, but just hold on because I promise it'll get better. Um, but what I'm trying to do is paint a picture for where we are because we're at a pivotal place in time. 
We're at a pivotal place in history where we can, we can either just like go with the flow and let it be what it is, or as believers and as Christians, we can take a stand and we can influence the generation that is to come. Parents, you can influence your kids as they are coming up. Grandparents, your grandkids. You can make, we can make a difference. We still have time because we're in a pivotal place. And so I, I just believe that we can make a difference in the lives of the generations who are coming behind us so to fulfill God's plan. And can I tell you that the only way that we're going to fulfill God's plan is if we take on a generational mentality. What is God's plan? We see it, it's the Great Commission, is to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded. That's the Great Commission. It's God's plan for our lives. That's why, that's why we have the church. That's why the church exists, is to make a difference, to fulfill the Great Commission. And the only way for us to fulfill God's plan is to take on a generational mentality and, and, and to, to make a difference in the generations that come after us. And so for the rest of our time together, I want to talk about how to adopt a generational mentality, which by the way, is very important for all of us to do. No matter what age we are, no matter who we are, it's important that we take on a generational mentality. And the first way that we do this is we have to see the potential in every generation. So we have to see the potential in every generation. Now, earlier we were talking about how God is a multi-generational God with a multi-generational plan and, and, that, and that he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He established the nation of Israel through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and so in Psalm 119, verse 90, it says, your faithfulness continues through all generations. There's that all generations again. And you establish the earth and it endures. So can I tell you, church, regardless of the state of the generation today, regardless of the state of the world today, God's faithfulness and God's plan is going to continue through all generations. From generation to generation, his faithfulness endures. Now, a lot of people are kind of like, oh man, you know, I was, I was joking a minute ago saying, talking about how millennials get a bad rap, which they, they do, they have. Um, but the truth is, that, that God has done a work through the millennials. Like, and a lot of people used to be like, oh man, I, I don't understand those millennials. I don't know about those millennials. Like, I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand them. And now it's funny because I'm still a young man, 26, but as I get older, I love you, Gen Z, but as I look at them, I kind of think the same thing. <laughs> kind of like, oh man, I don't know about Gen Z. I mean, with their TikTok and their, you know, everything going on, like, I don't know about these guys. And then Danielle told me, my wife, she told me one day, she was like, you know, Caleb, uh, that's what the generation before us said about us too, so we need to give them a break. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Um, and so the truth is, is that every generation has value to add in their own way, in the ways that God has gifted them. And God has given them gifts. He's given them talents. He's given them mindsets and perspectives to be able to impact the kingdom of God in a certain way. And I would say it like this, in a way that those who came before them were not able to, in a way that the generation above them was not able to make a difference. God has gifted them to be able to in that area. And so a couple of weeks ago, I had uh, me and some guys from the team, we got to go to Oklahoma and hang out with uh, Pastor Willie George, he, who started Church on the Move. I'm not sure if you've heard of that church before. We got to hang out with him, and he was just telling us, he was talking a little bit about generations. 
And he was talking about the generation that came before him, specifically in the church. And he said, a lot of the ministers that came before me in the church, they were all about sound theology. Like, they were all about a message. They weren't worried about their church growing. They weren't worried about nothing. But they were going to preach the truth or they were going to bust, you know. And a lot of that generation is marked a little bit by kind of like hellfire and brimstone preaching, you know. But they, they were convicted and they were like, I'm going to preach the word. And it's kind of like if you're building a building, you got to have a foundation first. That's really what they did was they were laying the foundation. And the foundation was sound theology. It was believing what the Bible says. And he said, then came my generation, which by the way, he, he has retired recently. But he said, then came my generation and what we brought to the table was vision. And so at the time that, that this generation stepped in, this is when you begin seeing a lot of churches just exploding and growing and reaching tons of people and outreach ministry and care ministry and, and, and just in the local church, thousands of people being reached and churches being built and growing. And it was because of the vision. It was because of the vision that they brought to the table, but they couldn't have done it without the foundation of the sound theology, right? And so he said, and I'm not going to lie, I've been really hard on the millennials, he said, I've been hard on them and like, I don't, I don't know about them. I don't know what they're going to be able to bring to the table. And he said, but now that my son has taken over as the pastor, I see what they bring to the table. And he said, what they bring to the table is the culture. And he said, it's kind of like this. You got the foundation of a building and then the vision is the shell of the building. But the culture is the color of the walls. It's the coffee in the lobby. It's the greeters at the door. It, it, it's, the, it's the furnishings. It's what ties everything together. It's what gives you that warm, fuzzy feeling when you walk through the doors. It's the connections with one another that, that we establish. And we try to make it easy for us to be able to connect through small groups and other ways. We try to make it easy to connect. He says the culture. And it's taken the church to another level. So they had something to add. And I, would, I want to share this because one thing that he said was to millennials and to Gen Z, he said, one thing you're going to have to be careful about as a warning is that you don't lose your theology because we become so culturally relevant that if we aren't careful, we'll become theologically irrelevant and we won't make a difference because we're so busy with trying to please everybody and we're so busy with trying to make sure people like us that we don't preach the truth. And so can I just say, millennials, Gen Z, let's be sure that we come back to the Word of God. Let's be sure that we keep our roots in the Word of God, that, that we say it like it is and we believe it for what it says. Now, I'm not saying hellfire and brimstone and beating people over the head. It's possible, believe it or not, it's possible to preach the truth in love, okay? And so let's be sure we do it like that, but let's not stray away from what God's Word says. Let's not stray away from the truth of God's Word, but we have to realize we have to realize that every generation has value to add in their own way. And when I look at Gen Z, I don't, I don't know. I don't mean this joking, but I don't know what they're going to bring to the table yet. But I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be awesome. And I know that God has gifted them and he has placed them here for such a time as this for them to rise up and to fulfill the call that he has placed on their life. And I just have to say it's an honor for me to get to lead you. It's an honor for me just to get to be a part of your life and to be able to help you discover that to all those who are in Gen Z, I believe you're going to make a big difference. But we have to realize, we have to realize that every generation has value to add. All of us have to get that in our minds, every one of us, because it affects, our mindset affects the way that we behave. And so we have to have that mindset shift take place. And then the second thing that, that we see is that we have to pass along what God has done in our lives. So we've got to pass along what God has done in our lives. The Bible tells us in Judges chapter 2, 
It says, after the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. So what this is saying is the whole generation had passed away. And by the way, this is Joshua's generation because Joshua was the leader of the Israelites here. And after that, it's talking about after Joshua and his generation passed away. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Y'all, that's big right there. A whole generation came up who did not know God. And they did not know what God had done. And as a result, it says, Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and they served the Baals, which were false gods. So because they did not know who God was, and they did not know what God had done, they turned their backs on him, and they began to do evil. They began to serve other gods than the one true God. And all of this was a result of them not knowing God and not knowing what he had done. Now, the Joshua generation was a mighty generation. They saw a lot of miracles. God worked through them. There was a lot of powerful things that took place through them. But when I look at this verse, one thing that I see, a big thing that they missed out on was they didn't pass along what God had done in their life. Because if they had passed along who God was to them, and if they had passed along what God had done for Israel, this generation would have known who God is, and they would have known what he had done. And they wouldn't have turned their backs on him. That's why in our vision, the first two parts is that we want people to know God and we want people to find freedom. We want you to know who he is and we want you to know what he has done for you to be set free because of the cross. And so that's why it's so important that we teach our kids about who God is, about what God has done. And I just want to say for us here at City Hope, let it not be said that the generation that comes after us doesn't know God or what he has done. We're going to tell them about how he saved us. We're going to tell him about the cross. We're going to tell him our story. Our story. We're going to tell them about his mighty deeds and about his miracles. We're going to tell them our personal story about how God set us free so that they know God and so that they know what he has done. We're going to tell them. We're going to tell them about the works of God so that they won't turn from him, but they'll know him and they'll experience his power in their lives in the same way that we have. So I just want to say to all of our parents today, I know I'm only 26 and I know I don't have kids yet, so I haven't walked in your shoes, but I do want to say, parents, it's your responsibility to teach your kids who God is. It's your responsibility to teach them about what God has done in your life and about what he did on the cross. You might say, that's the church's job. Yeah, it's our job to work together though, okay? We want to do that. We want to help your kids, but we need you to help us help them. We need you to to help us get them here. We have city groups every Sunday night at 6.30, and we have other free market small groups available throughout the week for students. We have motion night this coming Wednesday at 6.30. We have motion night every second Wednesday of the month, but we need you to help us by getting them here. But it's your responsibility to teach them. Now, we're going to do the very best we can. We're going we're gonna to create moments where they can experience the presence of God. We're going to create small groups where they can discuss and where they can be discipled and and where they can learn about who God is and about what God has done. We're going to do all those things, but we need you to help them get, we need you to help us by getting them here so that we can help them. Now, I would say it like this is that Pastor Ben always gives what he calls the one-year challenge. And he says, give God a year. Give God a year of your life. Come to church often. If you haven't been baptized, get baptized. 
Go through the growth track and discover your purpose. Get on the dream team and make a difference. Get in small groups to find freedom. Go all into the programming and everything that we provide. And I promise you in a year, your life will be totally different. I promise you in a year, your life will be changed. Not because of City Hope, but because of God. Not because of how good our programs are, but because of God and his power. Because you're, you're exposing yourself to those things. And I want to say in the same way, parents, get your kids to give God a year. Get your kids to give God a year of their life. Bring them to church on the weekend. If they they haven't been baptized and they give their life to Christ, let them get baptized. Help them get in a small group. We do city groups every Sunday night at 6.30. Tonight at 6.30, right here, we have small groups for middle schoolers and high schoolers. Every Sunday night at 6.30. Get them here. Get Get them to motion nights at 6.30. Get them in the growth track. And we have something we call a JV dream team for middle school and high schoolers where they can serve. We've got students who run cameras and they run things in production and and they do everything that we have available in the dream team our students can do to make a difference. And I promise you, if they give God a year of their life, their life will be different. Their life will change. And I'm not bragging on our student ministry. I'm not bragging about how good any of that is. I'm bragging about... God and about how powerful he is, but we're creating moments for the presence of God to change their life. And if you get them in the room, their lives will change. There may be some parents here who have been having trouble with their kids and they don't know where to turn and they don't know what to do. Give God a year. Give God a year and see if your kids' lives don't change. Give God a year. We're not afraid of them. Get them here. God will change their life. I promise you. He he will change their life. The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, it says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. If we train up a child in the way they should go, when they're old, they will not depart from it. That means if I train them up in church, it might look rocky, it might look rough along the way, but when they're old, they're going to come back. They won't depart from it. But can I respectfully ask you, parents, what are your kids not going to depart from? Because if we're not raising them up in the church, what are we raising them up in? Because whatever we raise them up in, it says they won't depart from it. So if, if I don't raise them up in the church and then they're not in the church, later on I can't be upset that they're not in the church because I didn't raise them up in the church. They're just not departing from the way I trained them. So can I respectfully ask you parents, how are you training your kids? Because the way you train them is the way that they won't depart from is what the Bible tells us. And so that's the hardest part I got for you in this whole message. If you don't like it, come back next week. I promise you'll like Pastor Ben a whole lot better. So the last thing that we got to do to adopt a generational mentality is we got to fight for those that are coming after us. We got to fight for the generation that's coming behind us, our our children and our grandchildren. We've got to fight for them. Now, in Exodus chapter 17. This is such a cool story here. I'm getting ready to close up. This is my last point here, so y'all just hold on with me. It says that Joshua did as Moses commanded him, and he went out to fight the Amalekites, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his arms, now pay attention to this. That's why it's in yellow. It's important. As long as Moses held up his arms, the Israelites won. But when he put his arms down, the Amalekites started winning. When Moses' arms grew tired, Aaron and Hur brought a stone for him to sit on. And while they stood behind him, and, and, and they stood, while they stood behind him, they held up his arms, holding them steady until the sun went down. And in this way, 
by Moses holding up his arms over Joshua and the Israelites. In this way, Joshua totally defeated the Amalekites. Now, one thing I want you to know, in the Bible, it says that God made a covenant that Abraham would be the father of a great nation. At this given point in time, Moses is the leader of the Israelites, so he is symbolic as the father of the family of Israel. He's the father. Joshua is a young leader who ultimately becomes the leader after Moses. But right now he's a young leader and he's leading in battle. And he's in a battle. Can I tell you parents that your kids are in a battle? They're in the fight for their lives every day when they go to school, every day when they go to work, when they get around friends and influences, they're in the fight of their life. And the only way they're gonna win the battle parents is if you lift your hands to God is if you surrender to him, if you surrender them to him, if you say, I'm going to have a relationship with God, I'm going to be in church, they need to see you reading the word. They need to see you in prayer. They need to hear you calling their name out before God. They need to see you go into a small group. They need to see you connecting with God and surrendering your life to God. And just like Joshua defeated the Amalekites, it was because the father, because Moses had his hands lifted. Moses was surrendering And that's what helped Joshua win the battle. And in the same way, that's what's going to help your kids win the battle. Now watch this. Moses' hands grew tired. You know who Aaron was? Aaron and Hur held up his hands. Aaron was the high priest of Israel. He represented the church. That's why the church exists. So that when you get tired of holding your hands up, and when you get weary, and when the school calls you again because your kids got in trouble again, when your kid goes to, I, we call it ISS, I don't know what y'all call it, uh, Denver. When your kid goes to Denver again, you find a vape in their backpack again. They get in a fight at school again. And you're like, I'm doing it. I'm going to church. I'm in small group. My hands are growing tired. It's why the church exists. It's so that we can hold your arms up for you. So that we can support you until you win the battle. It's to get, so that you can find a moment in the presence of God at church. Sometimes when your arms are tired, you just need to go to your small group. You need to say, hey, I need y'all to pray for me. My arms are getting tired. This is why you need to come to First Wednesday like we had last week so that you can have a moment in the presence of God and a fresh wind of the Spirit of God can come into your cells and encourage you and give you the strength you need to keep your hands up. Because the only way your kids are going to win the battle is if you keep your hands up. It's if you stay connected with God and you don't give up. If you would bow your heads with me get ready to close here. And I just want to ask you, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? I'm going to give you just a moment to listen. What is God speaking to your heart today? Maybe you're here today and you've been struggling with your kids or with your grandkids. Maybe you have a wayward child that's far from God. You tried everything else and you don't know what else to try. I'll say it again. Give God a year. Give God a year of, your, of their life. See what he'll do. I don't care if they're hearing me right now. Still give God a year. Give God a year. See what he'll do. I just really feel that on my heart today. I feel like there's some people here who maybe they've tried other things. Counseling didn't work. Medication didn't work. All the things didn't work. Try Jesus. Give God a year. I feel that today. And I think there's going to be testimonies that are going to come from that. If you're here today and you need God to give you strength, maybe you're a parent, you're tired, tired of fighting, 
you're weary, you're weak, you need strength, you need some fresh wind in your sails. If that's you, would you just lift your hands to heaven? God, I pray for strength. Lord, that the Spirit of God, just like Aaron and her lifted Moses' hands, Lord, that the Spirit of God would give them strength today to continue, would give them strength to continue to follow you. God, I pray that hope and that faith would be stirred up in their hearts and in their lives today so they could continue to connect with you. They continue to follow you in spite of what they see. God, yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. And you're fighting on our behalf. God, you're mighty in battle. So I pray that the Spirit of God would give them strength today. Maybe you're here today and you'd say you're far from God. You don't know God. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're a student, Gen Z, and you haven't tapped into your potential. Maybe you haven't even given your life to Christ today. I believe today is a day, it's a day of salvation for everyone, I wanna say that. But I think today God is drawing on students' hearts because a lot of people are saying this is gonna be a post-Christian generation, that Gen Z will be the first post-Christian generation in years. But I say, no, it's not. Because the Spirit of God is drawing them. If you're here today, whether you're a parent or a grandparent, whoever you are, but students, allow God to speak to you. If you say, I wanna give my life to Christ. I wanna go all in to what God has for me. I wanna fulfill the purpose that he has for my life. If you're here today on the count of three, I want you to boldly lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift your hands if you want to give your life to Christ today. Anybody in the room? I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? I see you back there. Hey, God's proud of you. Anyone else? Hey, students, don't be afraid. Be bold. Lift that hand up. If that's you, give give your life to Christ today. Today's the day of salvation. Thank you. Awesome. Hey, I'm going to lead us in a prayer right now. I want everyone to pray it with me. Let's pray this. Jesus, I confess that I need you. I ask that you'd come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord. I need you. I give my life to you. All that I am is yours. Fulfill your purpose in me. I'll follow you for the rest of my life. The best I know how, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, church, let's give God praise for the way he's moving in people's lives today, hearts and lives who gave their life to Christ today. Hey, I want you to know if you gave your life to Jesus today, we're so, so, so proud of you. As a church, we're so incredibly proud of you, but also God is proud of you. He's looking down, smiling at you. And if you did give your life to Christ today, two things. One, on the connection card that Gary mentioned at the beginning of the service um, is a place where you can tell us your decision. It says, my decision today. Would you do me a favor? If you gave your life to Christ, would you please let me know by checking that box? Because I want to be able to celebrate with you. I want to be able to celebrate what God is doing in your life. And also, me and the rest of our team, we want to be able to pray for you. We pray over these every week, and I love joining with you in prayer. So please let us know if you gave your life to Christ today. Um, And also, if you gave your life to Christ and you're not real sure what to do next, sometimes we don't know what to do next. Um, We've put together this resource called a Next Steps Box. It's full of resources 
to help you know what to do next if you just gave your life to Christ. And so we would love to get this to you. It's in the lobby beside the growth track room. So as you leave today, just stop by the table over there and tell our team that you'd like one of these boxes and they'll get that to you. It's totally free of charge, okay? We wanna be able to help you with your next steps. So be sure to pick that up. And also, today is the first, first Sunday of the month. And so every first Sunday of the month, we have baptism going on in the lobby. And so if, if you gave your life to Christ today, this would be the perfect opportunity for you to go ahead and get baptized. That's what God calls us to do. And so um, you might say, I didn't come prepared, but hey, we've got everything you need, the whole nine yards, underwear. Um, we've got, I don't know why I said underwear first, but I guess a lot of people worry about their underwear. So we got underwear too and shorts, and shirts, and towels, and everything. And you'll get a City Hope bag. I'm, I'm not trying to be gimmick here or nothing, but you'll get a City Hope bag. Um, so we'd love for you to get baptized in the lobby today. Um, I wanna to just celebrate as we get ready to worship the Lord through our giving. Uh, yesterday, we had first Saturday serve. We had teams serving everywhere. They were um, in Sputter Park, making a difference, giving out burgers and praying with people. And then we were uh, finishing up doing some uh, remodeling on a lady's home who wasn't able to do it herself or wasn't able to get it done. And so our team went out and took care of that. And so we were just really able to make a difference in Wichita Falls yesterday. And I just want you to know that you're a part of that. With every dollar you give, you are a part of that and you're making a difference. And I just want to say thank you for being such a generous church. So I'm going to get ready to, to pray over our time together. And when I say amen, um, there will be a team up front. And if you need prayer for any reason at all, just come find one of these guys during the last song. They'll be happy to pray with you. If you're a guest, no pressure to give anything in the offering, um, but we would love for you to fill out the connection card and drop it in the container as it comes by. So let's go ahead and pray together. God, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be a part of your kingdom. Thank you for the church, Jesus, for the way it encourages us and it gives us strength. God, and I pray that every person as they leave today, that they would be blessed. Every person online, that they would be blessed, God, because of your spirit, your power, your presence. So we worship you today. We love you. We say this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, come on, church. Let's worship together one more time. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all the Step one, go with God, He is going with you.
God who was, we worship the God who is. 